Hello and welcome to the Bitten Word Podcast. I'm Christine. And I'm Ashley. So this is my last episode of season three um, and we're doing a new video game episode for you. Um, Today we're talking about Red Dead Redemption 2. This is one of my favorite games of all time. I thought Um, you said it was your favorite game of all time. I, I think it is. Yeah. I So the first game came out back in like 2010 and I was at college and I borrowed it from a friend um because it like always sounded fun but I didn't know a lot about it um and I pretty quickly became like obsessed with it and that was my favorite game of all time until this game came out um (laughs) like and I mean they were like they came out like almost 10 years apart you know and so for like gosh video games take forever they do I well, part of it is that this company, the developer that makes it is Rockstar, and they have a, a couple of other like really popular franchises as well. Um, uh, and okay. So they're the ones who make uh, Grand Theft Auto. And oh, so they spent, there's like 20 of those, aren't there? There's five. Um, Same thing. But <laughs> yeah. Um, but they have an online as well, like GTA Online, mm. and they spend a lot of time on that um because it's gotcha. pretty popular and so and then they also make bully um which was popular and i heard recently that they might be making a bully too oh i've never heard of that one um so the first game is set in the early 1900s at the tail end of like the old west era cowboys and gangs and wild country are quickly disappearing um with the civilization of the west um and i just really loved what <laughs> i was just thinking that little clip that you sent me that was like them riding through that town and you were like this city's like really like modern and it looked like super and I was just thinking like in Oklahoma everything's up to date Kansas City (laughs) anyway sorry that's okay that's what that city's like that city is like one of like two like actual cities in the game and everything else is like a little (laughs) town one street town let's see um except you know what i think i just sang that to the tune of of um maria yeah (laughs) that's funny that song's been going around that song's been going around in my head for a long time and so i just put those words to that music (laughs) Uh, Um, that's funny okay um, well, I really loved it just because I loved the characters and I loved the story and they had a lot of like really fun, interesting side quests and gameplay. And so when I saw the second game announced on Facebook, I was in the drive through and I basically screamed in my car because <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited for it and it did not disappoint. Um, it lost out game of the year to Fortnite. Which was so disappointing what? because it came out at the like the very end of the year in like November or something, and so I think if it had come out earlier in the year, it would have it probably would have won because this is a game of the year quality game, and Fortnite was just crazy popular even though yeah. it's like a stupid game. I have issues with Fortnite in my house. <laughs> it's like the bane of my existence. <laughs> my oldest son is the only one who's allowed to play it out of my sons my daughter doesn't care and um he like he will do anything to get more Fortnite time and it drives me crazy yeah and he plays wellerman nonstop. oh my gosh yes <laughs> oh the only music we ever listen to in our house is anything that's been turned into a Fortnite emote now um so if you guys don't know what a Fortnite emote is it's like 
the floss. Okay. These are like little dances that go to little clips of music. And usually it's something that got popular on TikTok and they turn it into an animation for this. And that's like, all we listen to now is emotes. Thankfully, there are some emotes that are actually decent songs like Dynamite by BTS or um, Blinding Lights and things like that. But there is like a sea shanty one. And oh my gosh, he played that thing on the piano, on the computer, on Fortnite, on, you know, the Alexa for like three months straight. And I wanted to pluck my eyeballs out. (laughs) Man. Okay. So (laughs) Uh, (laughs) it's my rant about Fortnite. (laughs) Um, So yeah. So RDR2, which is the shorthand we're going to use here because it's a long name. Um, is the prequel to the original Red Dead Redemption game. In the first RDR, we played as a guy named John Marston, who used to be a member of a gang, and he's been sought out by some Pinkertons to track down and kill all of his former gang members. Um, He's being forced into this because the government has essentially kidnapped his family and is holding them hostage until he finishes this task. Um, So in RDR 2, it is a prequel, and we play as Arthur Morgan, who is another member of John's old gang. The year is 1899, and he shows us, and it shows us the events directly leading into the breakup of the gang. As such, during the gameplay and while you're roaming around the camp and stuff, you can see John Marston and his wife and his son hanging around at camp, and you can interact with them. And this was really exciting for me the first time I saw him in game. (laughs) Like... I heard his voice and I was like, oh my gosh, it's John Marston. And, like, <laughs> and it was really exciting because I missed John. Because like I was so used to playing as John that when I had to play as Arthur, I was like, who is this? I don't like this. I want to be John. But then like the more I played as Arthur, the more I'm like, I love Arthur. He's the best. <laughs> um, so Dutch Vanderland is the leader of the gang. Um, and when the gang started, his entire worldview was centered around like the horrors of injustice and like intolerance and he believed that his gang was doing this important work and kind of like a robin hood style of like robbing the rich and giving to the poor and he was like against killing in cold blood um his more recent leanings are towards trying to get enough money that his gang can evade the law and go straight in some like tropical paradise growing mangoes or something like he's oh, always that he's was always, a big like left turn right he well he's always changing he's like we're gonna go to Tahiti. We're gonna go to Hawaii. We're gonna go grow mangoes. We're get- like he's always like coming up with all these different things, um, but they stopped giving to the poor. They also started loan sharking, which is kind of like the opposite direction. What? <laughs> yeah, um, like what happened here? Yeah. I don't know the backstory of that. <laughs> it, it went really downhill, um, and they also started killing their opponents. I think it's it's just the further they it went on. Greedy. Yeah, and, like, the less sustainable it became, I'm not sure. Nobody's Um, as good as Robin Hood. Yeah. So, the Vanderland gang is, in this game, is hot off the heels of a massive heist gone wrong in a town called Blackwater. During the heist, Dutch shot a girl in the face for seemingly no reason, Uh. which goes completely against anything he's ever preached to the gang. Um, They're all starting to, like, wonder about him and think he's, like, beginning to lose his grip. And as gameplay goes on, we see that, like, more and more of this. Um, His ideas become more dangerous and more frenzied. And he's always talking about, like, one last big score that never ends up panning out. Um, 
Meanwhile, the Pinkertons are hot on their trail over this Blackwater heist and we're having dangerous run-ins with a rival gang called the O'Driscoll. So as the story progresses, we see more and more of our gang members lost to all of these different incidents. They they die or, or whatever. Um, from the starting off point, we see like the complete disintegration and trust um, of like the values of the gang and things just get worse and worse until the gang basically implodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is all helped along by a new guy named Mark Micah Bell, who is just the worst. Um, <laughs> and he infiltrates the gang and starts whispering in Dutch's ear. And it's clear that he's like a loose cannon and his intent is to just take everything for himself and destroy the gang from within. And it turns out later, spoiler, he's working for the Pinkertons oh Um, twist yeah so arthur meanwhile is struggling with his own moral compass and is sort of trying to decide if he agrees with dutch's like changing worldviews. and dutch essentially raised him from a teenager by the way him and john both um so he's like his surrogate father um so arthur's really struggling with this but he's trying Mm -hmm. to figure out if he's really a good guy and if the world really works the way Dutch says it does. Um, and during the game, he becomes sick and that really drives his sense of like self-understanding and his analyzing of like Dutch and his motives and stuff. Um, so like for a game, it goes pretty deep. Like the story's yeah. pretty intense. Yeah. There's a lot that's of moving different parts. than two plumber brothers trying to save a princess. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's like, <laughs> it's very story- <laughs> complicated, I guess. Come a long way in in games um but yeah there's a lot of emotional ties to the characters and it really draws you in um so by the end of the game um it shows us what happens to john during uh during and after like the very volatile split of the gang and these events lead directly into his being contacted by the pinkertons and the events of the first game so it's kind of it's kind of fun to see I mean, it's incredibly sad, but it's like, it's kind of fun to see John's origins and kind of where he came from and how, you know, he ended up where he was in the first game. Mm-hmm. Um, part of why I love this game so much, though, is just because of like all these random details and Easter eggs that you can find in the game. And I really, really love Easter eggs. I think maybe I talked about mm-hmm. that some in Fallout. <laughs> um, so rockstar who i said is the developer um they're really good about this they're really good at adding like strange and weird and supernatural and creepy easter eggs into their games um so there was an urban legend i can't remember which game it was but there was a gta game where there was an urban legend that there was a ghost in the game and i think it just ended up being like a weird model glitch where someone appeared like someone who had died like appeared on the stairs or something and you're like Mm -hmm. they're not supposed to be there um but because there was this like legend surrounding it. They put an actual ghost in GTA five. Um, nice. So I always thought that that was like really creepy and really awesome. And you can only see her at like a certain spot at a certain time of day. And like, you can only see her from like, you know, far away through like a gun scope. Otherwise she disappears. Um, Who figured that out? How would you ever find something like that? It would be an accident and then you would never be able to do it again. See, that's the thing. So, like, in this game, it's one of those things where you can just kind of, like, run into it on accident. 
because you're mm -hmm. out here running around anyway. With GTA 5, this ghost is like at the very top of a really high mountain and she only appears for like 10 minutes at like 3 o'clock in in, at night. And like you have to be in a certain spot looking the right direction. So it that yeah. one is very much like... Um, yeah, that one's really weird. She, I think, would be hard to find if you didn't know she was there. But um, in her case, there are some little clues to lead you, like, that she might be there. Um, because mm -hmm. there's a guy. Like a scavenger hunt. Kind of. Like, I don't remember what this guy's deal is. He's, like, running for mayor or something, and his name is Jock. And he, uh, you can hear his ads, like, on the radio when you're driving in the car and stuff. But then later you can find a newspaper clipping talk about talking about how there was some like mysterious circumstances surrounding the death of his wife and how she like mm. fell off a mountain or something. And so when you see the ghost, if you go like once she disappears, if you go to where she was standing on the rock where she like by where she was standing written in blood is the name Jock. And so it's like mm. implied that this is his wife that he killed and that's and that's why she's a ghost and she's all angry. Um but in RDR um, there's a ghost that you can see multiple times in the bayou in Lemoyne, and you can watch her like play out her last day alive. And then later you can find her grave, um, actually. And her name is Agnes Dowd, and you can find her grave um Ugh, one of the camps. What an awful name. Yeah, but this is oh my also gosh. Like the eighteen hundreds. So still, that's awful. That that's a terrible name. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of fun to like like you can hear her like only hear her sometimes and then sometimes you can see her um there's a ghost train there's giant bones there's at least two ufos an alien cult a time traveler a crashed flying machine a serial killer who killed an entire football team and dumped their bodies in a pit in the woods a serial Whoa. killer who leaves scary messages for you to solve and eventually you find him um and then what happens and then you, I don't remember if you kill him or if you just tie him up and like have the law. Oh, him. but you don't, don't die. No, you don't die. He does, he does like knock you out though. And you have to mm. like, when you like come into his lair and you have to like get away from him. Um, but there's like a robot who kills his master and later you can find him lost on a mountaintop. There's a mummified monk in the mountains. There's whale bones in the mountains. There's a skeleton of a conquistador and you can steal his helmet. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's just so much stuff like this. There's a vampire in Lemoyne, which is like. Uh, Man. Yeah. And so this is can, a crazy world that this guy lives in. It really is. But the best part about it is that there's so many of these things but almost none of them are parts of like quests or storylines these are all just things you find randomly and then are like mm -hmm. never talked about again so you're like no one else knows about the weird vampire killing people in new orleans um so in the first game um there was this guy that you would randomly run into sometimes um he was called the strange man we don't know his name but he was dressed in like a suit and a top hat um and he would just like tell you weird things about yourself like he knew everything about you and he knew about this girl that dutch shot in the face before this like was ever made an actual plot point like in the prequel hmm. um and he just tells you all of these things about yourself and gives you these very like strange warnings and it's kind of speculated that he's either like god or like the devil but you'd never find out i was gonna say dr facilier 
yeah like he's really he's very <laughs> weird um but in this game you can find a weird cabin in the woods somewhere with like paintings everywhere and um, as the story progresses, if you keep coming back to the cabin, eventually there will be like an easel set up and you will see a painting slowly being progressed. Um, yeah. And so at the end of the game, the painting is of that guy, of the strange man. And if you look in the mirror in the room, he'll be standing behind you. And when you turn around, he's not there. Ugh. it's very very creepy and <laughs> it's kind of cool i know it's really cool though it's one of those things though that you just have to keep checking on there's nothing telling you it's there um but you can also find weird cryptic messages like written all over the cabin like about different things that maybe are going on in the game and mm -hmm. like there's a map of a city called armadillo which was a huge like you were there all the time in the first game but in this game i guess there's like a big uh plague going through it and you can't mm -hmm. access it at the beginning of the game um but towards the end of the game if you go there like on the map it said something like you made a deal for two generations now you have to pay something like that um and so if mm -hmm. you go to armadillo the only guy in the whole town who's like not sick and dying from this plague is the guy who owns the general store and he has a picture of the strange man framed on the wall behind him so hmm. it's kind of weird. It's like maybe he made a weird deal with the devil or something. Yeah. Like, so one more thing I want to talk about is the donkey lady. Um, I may have talked to you about her before. Uh, maybe when we did like one of our other episodes. But so in the first game, the first Red Dead Redemption game was notorious for having like really hilarious glitches um there would just be like i remember i would sit there and watch videos of like glitches people had encountered and just like crack up because they were so funny and so like there was one this one actually happened to me one time where like the carriages would start to bounce like they had hydraulics or something but they would just like keep gaining momentum until they like fell over or like bounced into the sky or something <laughs> <laughs> mine was on a much less scale mine was just small bouncing but it did it got really funny sometimes um but one of my and there were some other ones but a lot of them had to do with for some reason human and animal models getting spliced and so you would end up with like people who acted like animals or animals who acted like people but like <laughs> when you think about the way games are built right like they have joint points where it's like the arms can move like this and the mm -hmm. you know head can move like this but the joints on animals and the joints on humans don't line up and oh so my gosh that mesh, already sounds like really messed up <laughs> they get sometimes they get ridiculous and so like there were some of like humans flying in the sky like birds <laughs> And then, like, clapping um, their arms. Yes, yes, and flapping their <laughs> arms. They would be like sitting, like almost like they were sitting up straight, like sitting on their knees. And then they'd be like flapping their arms, flying away. <laughs> um, and then there's like one where you meet this guy by this wall and he like hoists you over the wall, but he was a coyote. And so he's like got a gun on his back and he's like wearing a hat. But when he hoists you over the wall, he like does this weird inverted bend where like his legs go in the air. <laughs> like his feet are on the ground. <laughs> and like he pushes you over the wall. It is just so bizarre. And one of my favorite one is the cougar man. Because... 
like cougars in the game are really scary because you don't ever see them you just like hear them they just go rare and then you die basically and so (laughs) it's like it's always really scary when they come by and they're really fast and so this was a dude running like shuffling around on his knees at top speed (laughs) screaming like a mountain (laughs) (laughs) and he would just like run by them really fast and then they like would get hurt and it was so funny to watch it was oh gosh but okay but i gotta talk about the donkey lady so this lady became like infamous because this lady somehow got like some of the features of a human and of a donkey and so it was a woman's body like so this was somewhere like in the in the mexico part of the map there was a woman's body and she's wearing you know like a dress and like a like a flouncy top and then she has a donkey head but you can ride her like a donkey (laughs) and but you would like jump on her back basically and then she would just like flail her arms and run around and make donkey noises (laughs) and so like there's this video of these two guys just like dying riding around this donkey lady and i think maybe that's the only time that ever happened was to them oh but but this guy's like oh my gosh i have to kill her she's an abomination and the guy's like don't kill her she's my wife (laughs) 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 and they're just like going crazy over this donkey lady and so in red dead redemption 2 you can't there is a somewhere on the map i can't remember where it is there is a place where you can find a skeleton that is like stuck in a stockade and it's got a donkey skull oh sad and so it's like they found the donkey lady and stuck her in a stockade until she died but when you find her like you can inspect it and he'll just be like this is crazy like who would do this you know like because it's like he obviously thinks it's fake like someone stuck a head on a lady and so it's just this really hilarious callback to this weird glitch that just got super famous that's really funny and so i'll have to like i don't know post a picture of the donkey lady or something um because that but it's worthwhile going to find like just a compilation of glitches for this game because they're just so funny to watch um so there's just a lot of really cool stuff like that um okay so let's i gotta move on because i can talk about this stuff forever um but so binging with babish actually did a stew from this game really yeah um he made bear stew and so bear meat yeah, so he used uh. venison, rabbit, and then actual bear meat, and he cooked it outside in a Dutch oven over like an open fire. Oh wow, cowboy! He's hardcore. I was like, so clearly he's got better resources and like more money to spend. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, but I thought that was pretty cool, so it's probably worth going to check out. Um, I'm interested to know how the bear meat was. He said it's um, it's got a reputation for being very greasy so ew that sounds terrible yeah but i'm assuming that's why he put a lot of other stuff in it but bears are good in oregon trail see a bear you gotta shoot it because it gives you like 600 pounds of meat oh really see you're you're old enough that you actually remember oregon trail i just have a vague understanding of what it was i don't think i ever actually Uh, played it that is so sad it breaks my heart that you did not play oregon trail (laughs) 
or or I think maybe I played some sort of like remastered version of it, like at oh, school. Nah. But yeah, not the original. Um Okay, so as far as what we're making, today we're making two things. The first of which is Pearson stew. So Pearson is the camp cook and also craftsman. Like he makes stuff for you, like the handyman. And like, yeah, it just you bring him, you can bring him like hides and things and he'll make you like random stuff. Um, but Pearson was in the Navy and I guess he sort of prides himself on being able to make palatable food out of like whatever scraps are available and mm -hmm. so the gang is essentially camping out in the wilderness and they rely on whatever gang members are donating as far as food supplies and ammo and stuff so pearson makes a stew every day out of whatever random game and vegetables and things are brought to him by gang members 90 percent of the stuff is donated by us the player and a lot of what gets donated at least when i play is deer um because it's super abundant in the game and easy to kill mm -hmm. um so and like hunting and foraging is a big component of the game. So I feel like it's safe to assume that you would have a lot of venison in this stew. Um, there are a few different versions of the stew, like depending on what you give him, it'll look a little different. Um, but we're focusing on the venison because that's what I always give him. So I assume he's making venison stew. <laughs> um, that being said, I have to complain. So. <laughs> There's a lady in camp named Susan, and she, I don't know what you would really call her, but she kind of, like, runs the camp. She's, like, the lady who makes sure everybody's pitching in and who gets all the tents set up and, like, makes sure everything is, like, you know, running smoothly. Okay. Um, and so, like, if you come back to camp after being gone for a long time and, like, you haven't donated anything for a long time, she'll, like, yell at you and be, like... <laughs> you need to pitch in and donate to this camp or whatever. Um, and so, but after, like, there's a ledger where you can see everything everyone's donated, including yourself, and then you can also buy things to upgrade the camp. Eventually, though, you run out of stuff to buy. And so I hit this point where I had already bought everything. And so I stopped donating, except for, like, to top up the things that are regularly diminishing, like food and, and medicine and stuff. And so... I hadn't been in camp in a long time and I hadn't donated in a long time because there was no point. And so Susan rolls on by to yell at me because I haven't been donating enough to camp <laughs> after I've spent thousands of dollars buying a boat and a hitching post and all this other stupid crap for her to use while I'm not ever at camp. And so I got really petty about it and I went to look at the ledger to check how much I had actually donated to camp. And I saw in the ledger, Susan had donated a single carrot. I was like, <laughs> that made me so mad. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. <laughs> so I was like, I just, that made me so angry. And from that moment on, I was like, I hate Susan. And when she died, I was not upset. <laughs> over Sad. the single carrot well she turned out to be like a huge jerk anyway so she kind of mm -hmm. deserved it but it was really it was mostly about the carrot so <laughs> <laughs> um so we're also making peach cobbler um from the saloon in blackwater so blackwater 
um, is inaccessible for most of the game because you're wanted there. So you can't get this peach cobbler until the end of the game when you're playing as John Marston. So it's kind of special. Um, but you order it from the saloon and it's a very delicious looking peach cobbler with ice cream. That you see for literally like one second. Ones. Yeah. And, and then it's they gone. give it to you and then it's gone. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, I yeah, there's not a lot like for me to tell you about the food in the game. I mean... You do spend some time cooking and eating, but it doesn't have a lot of um, significance in the game itself. Um, it's just kind of there to beef up your, you know, health stats and stuff. But I do have some history of um, Peach Cobbler. Hmm. So, side note, uh, National Peach Cobbler Day is April 13th, which is when people <gasps> are in season. <laughs> oh, peaches aren't in season, but that's Brett's birthday. Oh, yeah, April it is. 13th. Oh, new tradition. Yeah, right. Except that he's a chocolate guy, but oh. peach cobbler sounds good. I don't know. I'm making my peach cobbler today with frozen uh, peaches, frozen peaches because the peaches are already kind of like hard and nasty and not yeah. really good anymore because uh, we're halfway through September right now. So I'm going to try with frozen peaches today and see how it goes. Um, well, so am I. Um, oh, you are? Okay. Yeah. Apparently, though, National Peach Cobbler Day was created by the Georgia Peach Council in an effort to sell more canned peaches. Um, which I'm like, I, well, I'm like, Georgia Peach Council, you guys like know when well, I oh, you know what? I guess that's probably why they, I was gonna say why yeah. would you make it when it's not in season? But I guess that's why, so that they can yep. sell the canned peaches. And you know what? Canned peaches are disgusting. Oh, I love. Don't buy peaches. them. I hate canned I peaches. They're them. so gross. <laughs> I cannot They're, like. I cannot deal. Their whole texture has been changed by the syrup and stuff, and it's they're all like. I don't know. It's I hate biting into them. They're so gross. Oh, really? I prefer a canned peach as opposed to like a fresh peach. What? Oh, that is sacrilege. That is terrible. Fresh peaches are like the best. Well, I also think I've never had like a really amazing fresh peach. Oh, you got to go to Costco. They have the best peaches. Actually, H-E-B here this year have had some really good peaches. But other than that, always Costco. They are consistently good no matter where I move. So cobbler is technically a deep dish pie, but using biscuit or dumpling dough. And it gets its name supposedly because it looks like it's been cobbled together. Although that sounds oh, yeah. kind of like an urban legend to me. Yeah, um, me too. <laughs> that's all I could find though. Um, but basically, uh, cobblers were invented by American settlers. Um, like people coming from Europe who had pie recipes um, that were like really popular, but we're not on, we're not unable. Oh my gosh. We're unable to make them while they were like out on the open road and like trying to settle and stuff. And so <laughs> got a Dutch oven. Yeah. Yeah. So they would make it like in a Dutch oven over an open fire. Um, but they also had to use preserved canned or dried fruit. So actually we are being authentic uh. by not using French fresh peaches. Good. Yeah. So, and that's, you know, again, just because they were traveling or because they did not yet have access to, like, fresh fruit. Mm -hmm. um, apparently, though, most people would eat it, like, for breakfast or, like, as a main dish. Um, huh. 
it wasn't considered a dessert until the 19th century. Wow. That's interesting. I could see that as a breakfast. Um, like if it's, if it's not overly sugary, if you just have, you know, peaches and some liquid and then like actual biscuit dough on top yeah. then that yeah that seems breakfasty. maybe like with some cream yeah ooh, that'd be good mm-hmm. um and the largest peach cobbler ever was made using 75 gallons of peaches holy and it crap measured 11 feet by five feet and was eight inches deep and this was at the georgia peach festival in 2007 wow that's i've never really understood why people go to the trouble to do that i don't know like a record because i can because they i know i've never understood that desire i'm gonna do this just so i can break a record I'm like why do you care like it I doesn't know. even matter i don't know the big pie the big pie does not seem as awesome to me as the tiny lasagna in the video <laughs> like the hamster lasagna or whatever it is. Um, That thing is amazing. And I would be much more inclined to make tiny food than I would be to make giant food. I don't know why. I feel like tiny food is arguably harder to make. Like, I feel like the biggest problem with large food is sourcing all the ingredients and finding a way to cook it. Yeah, finding a way to cook it is just like ridiculous. Yeah, but like having a lot of people, you can just dump everything in and go. But like with tiny food you have to be extremely like purposeful and delicate and it would take a long time to get everything just right and you have to have all your little teeny tiny tools and stuff but it's so cute i love watching i love watching that tiny lasagna video it's like (laughs) soothing to my soul (laughs) a lot of those little tiny food videos i've never really seen another one i just like the lasagna one oh really yeah there's a bunch they make like cake and stuff and they like feed them to hamsters and whatever that's so cute um, so now it's time to try our stew and our peach cobbler. Um, so this stew was a little bit weird. It So it's a venison stew. A I little actually, bit? Well, <laughs> so it's a venison stew. I used beef because I so wasn't I. able to find venison. Me too. Um, and so I was going to get some from dad, but then I just didn't have time to drive over there. Um, but... It's And so the recipe calls for a third of a cup of blackberry jam and three tablespoons of Dijon mustard, which is a lot. And, and dill. Yeah, and dill. Uh, I forgot about that because I couldn't Those really taste it at the end. All to be stirred in at the end. Yeah. It and also so, has Brussels sprouts, which for me was a weird addition for a stew as well. Yeah, I'd never, I'd never seen a stew with Brussels sprouts. Um, so I will say mine went a little bit off the rails because I couldn't find Brussels sprouts, which was really weird. Really? That yeah, is weird. I've, I've never not been able to find Brussels sprouts. Um, so I couldn't find Brussels sprouts. So I didn't have any of that. I didn't realize it, it called for turnip. And so like, I oh, somehow missed that. I didn't, so I didn't get a turnip because I couldn't find it. So <laughs> um, I just assumed there was onion in it for some reason. And so I... I had already so had popped onion, onion so in there. Out of onion, um, and then I didn't use the venison. This is like um, when I made that dressing from Stanley Tucci's cookbook. Yeah, <laughs> it was like none of the ingredients were actually what was called for. But I did have like the blackberry jam and the Dijon, and so. But honestly, you think the the meat of it is like 
the meat and then like the potatoes and carrots and so Mm -hmm. and so i mean i had all that stuff so i don't think like i don't think the flavors would have been that different the thing with the blackberry jam and the dijon though is that it kind of made it really sour for me so i didn't notice the blackberry jam flavor i okay so i gave it or we spooned some out for a some whoever was going to eat it. And Kennedy was like, uh, this smells like freckle juice. <laughs> oh, no, it didn't. It wasn't that bad. Uh, I think the mustard is what she was like thinking about. I, I took three voluntary bites and then almost gagged. So I really, I could not eat it. And Kennedy didn't like it. And Brett didn't like it. And so we went to Taco Bell. <laughs> Wow, I did not think it was that bad at all. I ate a whole bowl of it. Did you? Yeah, it was not that bad. Well, I just, the first bite, I put it in and I was like, ah, stuck out my tongue. It was kind of yucky. And But everybody took, I felt like it got worse. Really? Well, okay, so the Dijon flavor was strong. The thing is, yes. I think it called for too much Dijon and too much blackberry jam. I think they would have been fine had it been like half. Um, So I think though with venison like the flavor of venison is also really strong and so I think maybe it would have cut that a little bit. Maybe. It's gamey. Like beef is going to be a much milder flavor than venison and so I think that's part of why that's in there. But um, but it does have a lot of strong flavors. Um, And so I guess I would say I would only recommend making this if you like Dijon, like venison and are willing to like go out on a limb and try something new. Yeah. Like this isn't, I, I don't know. This isn't something I would recommend for just anybody's like, you know, weeknight dinner. Yeah. It, it's an odd recipe. It, it was a little strange. So part of the reason why I chose, I mean, this one is just one of the ones that came up when I was searching for venison stew. Well, part it's a I... Southern taste. What, what was the recipe from? Something that like is recognizable. Southern living. You're right. Mm. Yeah. So it's uh, like a trusted source here. Yeah. So this is a Southern living recipe. So, um, yeah, so I mean, it is, yeah, it's a um, reputable source. Um, yeah, it is, it's just strange though. But part of the reason why I stuck with this recipe was because of the blackberry jam, because it was kind of a weird addition. But I was thinking that in game, blackberries are one of the things you can find in game. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when you're foraging and stuff. And so I was thinking to myself, like, if I were to donate blackberries to camp, who's to say that Pearson would not put blackberry jam in his stew, you know, or blackberries. Yeah, totally. um, Okay, so then for the peach cobbler, uh, I I already ate mine because mine was melting. My ice cream was melting. Yeah, I just took a bite. So what did you think? So it's good. Um, Flavor's good. I think the frozen peaches taste like canned peaches to me in this but not not gross (laughs) like it's got that same kind of flavor um 
But I think my my issue is just that I usually stray away from cobblers and usually go more with like crisps um, because I like like the oat crisp topping for this kind of stuff better than cob- like a biscuit topping. It tastes good. There's nothing wrong with it at all. It's just my personal preference for this kind of dessert. Um. I didn't think my peaches tasted like canned peaches. I found myself wishing I had used canned peaches because my peaches had no flavor at all. Oh, really? Mine do. They just, they tasted like really, the word, the phrase that's coming to mind is far away. Do you, have you ever seen that, (laughs) that list of LaCroix flavors that are like hint of, hint of lime transported on a truck near strawberries <laughs> that's like that's what i feel like it was that is the it, most accurate thing that I've ever heard. yeah so that's what's coming to mind is it was far away peaches um so, <laughs> um so yeah i wish i had had some more flavorful peaches and i'm thinking that like a syrup peach and syrup would have like helped with that um maybe as far as far as the dough i have a really hard time finding a good cobbler recipe because i really enjoy cobbler um this though i felt like was bready it is a little bit bready um but i felt yeah it's it's less biscuity and more bready and i think that that it was like super soft putting it on top was yours super soft yeah yeah really sticky on your hands mine was too and i think it's because of the humongous sugar content Cause there's like an entire cup of sugar in this dough. What? Yeah. It was like half of white and half of brown. Oh yeah, I guess so. Um, and I think that that made it really soft. So instead of giving it a, Oh, also, did you do the boiling water? Yeah. Okay. I didn't do boiling water. I just did like room temperature water. I probably should have done cold because they were like, <laughs> put in the boiling water and then mix and still have lumps of butter, butter i was chunks. like there's no way that after, there will still be butter chunks after, after the boiling butter was water grated so it wasn't yeah, even like exactly. it was just cut it was grated yeah so they were tiny slivers of butter yeah, yeah. With no milk. i just did room temperature because i was like i'm not gonna go to the full boil because that just seems wrong but um Maybe I should have stuck with cold. Maybe that's part of the reason it seems a little bit more bready instead of biscuity. Um, yeah. Or it's also possible that it's just like because of the sugar content that it changed the texture of it because it does, it is a little bit bready. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like, I don't know. I'm having a hard time with, I've made a couple of cobblers recently, none of which have turned out that great. And so maybe you should just try Carol's biscuits on top. Like no, literally. That's what I was just thinking. I was thinking like, what about like strawberry shortcake kind of biscuits? Like short yeah. biscuits with much, much more like, like regular biscuits, but then just like sprinkle some sugar and cinnamon on top. Yeah. Or like add a little more cinnamon or add a little more sugar to the dough. Like, yeah, there I mean, isn't any sugar in Carol's dough, but maybe if you replace the salt with sugar, that would you know, do it just like a teaspoon or two. Yeah. Cause I've done like a sweet biscuit before that I've used for things like strawberry shortcake. Um, so yeah, I think that would probably be an improvement. So unfortunately neither of these recipes were like a real triumph. Stellar. I will, yeah. I will say though, we are talking about 
1890s food in like saloons and camping so i can't imagine any of it was that amazing to begin with (laughs) (laughs) not according to what we know now so um yeah i i don't know that i would really recommend either of these recipes but if you're like really hardcore wanting to try them we'll still give them to you we'll still post them yeah um well that's all we've got for um red dead redemption um if you want to see i wrote instagram (laughs) i was like what is that um, if you want to see pictures or recipes um, of the food that we made today, uh, you can see them on our Instagram at the Bitten Word Podcast, um, or you can see them on our Twitter at the Bitten Pod. Um, if you have comments, suggestions, pictures of the food you want to share with us, um, anything else like that, you can email us at the Bitten Word Podcast at gmail.com. Um, also, new this week is that I opened a Reddit, a subreddit for us. So, it's the bitten word podcast is the name of the subreddit um and if you want you can come join our subreddit and you can talk (laughs) about the show with us um i'm gonna be on it ashley most likely won't so you'll probably be talking to me (laughs) i have never actually been on reddit so um but yeah and so i will post pictures and recipes there as well as well as upcoming stuff um and you guys can post as well if you have photos or questions or whatever um also please take the time to rate and review if you're enjoying our show on apple podcasts um rating takes two seconds reviewing takes not that much longer and it really helps us (laughs) and helps other people to find us um and be sure to join us next week um our season three finale yeah um it'll be our last episode before a little break and let me tell you season four i think is gonna be really good we're gonna gonna have halloween stuff in there yeah christmas stuff we've got some exciting things coming up so be sure to join us um but next week we're gonna be doing the fish sticks and custard from matt smith's debut episode of doctor who one of my favorite episodes (laughs) we're gonna gonna hear a lot about matt smith because he's my favorite (laughs) (laughs) um we're gonna be making uh fake fish sticks and custard and we're actually going to be trying real fish sticks and custard as well Mm -hmm. so that'll be because that's what he eats in the episode yeah so go ahead gross and then good go up for that (laughs) so until then happy playing and yeehaw there you go